Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 286, covering Infinite Regress and Nothing Human. Hello, friends. We're here once again for you. Yep. Here we are. Back on Trying the show. Real hard not to just reenact Homestar Runner cartoons, because for whatever reason, we've both been watching a bunch of them. I don't so. get it, but it just, like... The moon was full and a cloud passed in front of it and somewhere a white wolf gave birth to a calf with two heads and I had to watch fucking Homestar Runner cartoons again. Yeah, they're strong, bad. Plus, I, I think what it was for me was realizing that it's almost Halloween, which means it's probably going to be a new cartoon. So. Ooh, I hope you're right. They did that one last Last year was sort of their big comeback, right? Yeah. Exactly. So, Or I'm was it for December that. Ween? Now I can't remember. Uh, no, it's the Halloween. The Halloweens. But uh, no, instead we got to watch Voyager. Now it is time for me to make fun of your costumes. The the interesting thing this week is of the two episodes, uh, we liked one and liked the other. But for 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 me, it's it's in one direction and for Matt, it's the other. Crisscross. We had we had a disagreement. We we will be enjoying disagreements, really enjoying some disagreement Mm -hmm. here in a moment. But first, why don't Matt you tell the people what happened in Infinite Regress? What a what, what a, a title! Great fucking title, by the way. Both of them this week, uh-huh. just just spot on. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror this week's episode: Garbage and More Garbage. <laughs> now the titles just don't describe the episodes in any way that is super obvious. Is all. Janeway does a dance. Seven wears some pants. That's oh, what, is this the, that's the what, Voyager season eight Twitter? No, this is what it'd be called if the if Voyager was Batman sixty six. Ah, <laughs> very good. All right, so seven take w- it away. Seven wakes up from a bad dreams to the sound of soccer hooligans yelling at her. She then goes through a variety of adorable and well acted personality changes and eats all the chicken Neelix had been saving, presumably to feed to a more disgusting creature he was keeping in the hole to feed at a later date. Uh, Seven then goes on uh, on to play with the wee childman in one of the most adorable scenes in the history of Trek. Uh, so it turns out Voyager has gotten dangerously close to some sort of giant Borg hard drive that stores all the personalities the Borgs have ever assimilated. Seven calls it a bonicula and figures it's what's causing her to delight me so much. The doctor keeps her in sickbay where he can run tests while Janeway consults with some pretty damn cool looking aliens in their transparent pantsuits. <clears throat> then the aliens pick a fight and Tuvok goes deep sea diving in Seven's brain. The inside of Seven's brain is awash with angry, assimilated personalities. Actually, it looks a lot like the Trekcon I went to back in 2004 when the crowds found out how much Shatner charges for an autograph. <laughs> it's still less than Stanley. Tuvok eventually solves the problem by throwing all of Seven's extra personalities off of a tall building. Uh, metaphorically. Later, Seven and Childman bond some more, and I clap my hands in delight. Uh, more of this, please! So you, you've really taken to young Naomi Wildman. Huh? I was shocked by how much I took to the wee baby childman, but good lord. I mean, she's great. We said that last mm-hmm. week, but I didn't think you like kids. Like, I'm I pretty like indifferent. Kids. I don't want kids of my own, but I tend to like kids okay, you know, That's the thing. I don't like kids at all. Huh. Sorry, any kids listening to this show, but I probably won't like you or at the very least have an awkward conversation with you. 
that's fair. Like I do with my niece. All right, but but and yet you like Naomi. No, she's just like the kid that plays her is a really good actress. Yeah. Um, she's got incredible chemistry with Seven, which we saw. You know, we commented on last week and get more of this week. Oh yeah, this was uh, Brian happened to watch these before we did, and and he sort of vaguely informed us that something we wished for happened, mm. and that was this. I was really this hoping it thing would be we... that I would be big, fucking Zoltan machine. Yeah, well, you you probably should feed proper quarters into it and not those like metal slugs. That's mm. the problem. Damn it! Why can't I get wishes and rip off a fake gypsy head? <laughs> fake gypsy head. <laughs> Can you describe it better? I bet you can't. I just, I want Gypsy from Mystery Science Theater to be granting wishes. Okay, you want to be big? Who wants a wish, Mike? Go um, to hell with all y'all. <laughs> bite me. Um, but yeah, I, I like, uh, I like Naomi Wildman. I, she's, she's adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, she didn't exactly spend time with Seven. She mostly spent time with one of Seven's wacky personalities. Yeah, well, I kind of like that wacky personality too. Um, I gotta give I gotta give you credit to Jerry Ryan. Um, which is pretty well, and, good at all these people. And that that's my good thing. I the way we got here was incredibly stupid. Mm. Like I I have said this a million billion times now. I don't like possession episodes or when people turn into other people or brain switches or whatever. Mm. And this is another one of those. But I do like it when actors with a fair amount of range are able to stretch. Oh, and yeah. she absolutely did a good job of that. She, I mean, let's try to, between this, think of the various people she did. She did a, a small child. A small child. A uh, very aggressive Klingon. A mad Klingon. Yep. Uh, a, mer- a very aggressive male Klingon who tried to mate with Balana, uh, which was pretty great. Yep. Uh, a, a delightful Vulcan. Ferengi. Oh, Yeah. Um, so I was reading in Memory Alpha, apparently because just the the um, uh, the, the production schedule of this show mm-hmm. moves so quickly, Jerry Ryan had never seen a Ferengi before. Mm. She'd seen a handful of Voyager episodes for reference and, and a few Next Gens here and there, but she hadn't seen any Ferengi. Mm-hmm. So she didn't know what the fuck to do. <laughs> so she gets extra credit there for either cramming and studying or just making up something that fit, you know, mm-hmm. either way. Like, uh, you know, kudos. Just uh, uh, she... come over here and uh, come across the street and talk to uh, Armin Shimmerman. Yeah. Yeah, he'll he'll set you straight. But, uh, and, and then she played a Vulcan who was uh, pretty similar to Seven, because, mm-hmm. I mean, she plays a pretty Vulcan. Yep. Uh, um... she, the, the thing was, they it, it felt like they knew she was too close to Seven, so they just had her say logic every time. Yep. Well, I mean, that's that's how everyone writes Vulcans at this point. They're always talking about logic and lo- being things being logical and lo- logic. What, what do you think, uh, to seven, her <laughs> spot, her, her Vulcan name? Uh, no, no, that, that would be right. Cause the female Vulcans usually have the, the T. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Logic, so logic, that's... logic. All right, good. <laughs> this all checks out. Mm-hmm. Oh, and at one point I'm pretty sure she was that woman from, um, uh, the neutral zone who was oh, looking for Tommy. Yeah. Tommy's mommy. Yeah, because she was just wandering the halls looking for her lost child. I really want for because uh, she uh, someone mentions at one point that she died like, she died at the Battle of Wolf three five nine. I would love if that was actually Tommy's mother who found him again somehow, and he was in Starfleet, and then he died at Wolf three five nine. Yeah, that's certainly possible. Tommy, I finally found you again. Yeah, sorry, I got assimilated. Oh, I got assimilated too. Our oh, story great. is weird and tragic. Now we'll be together forever. Ugh. 
the Borg have enabled some kind of weird Oedipal thing now. Nothing says love like Borg says love. That's true. Okay, so I guess the Borg store the personalities pre-Borg in some kind of something? It's a hard drive, Al. It's a big fuck-off hard drive with green diamonds on it so you know that it's Borgy. Well, of course, obviously. Ernest Borg not. Yes, exactly. Um, I actually, uh, I know you were talking about earlier you didn't like the, you don't like the multiple, like the multiple personality thing, like the brain swapping thing. Um, no. I think it actually, like, the concept works for me here more than it does, like, th- than it does, like, so- Troy got possessed by the devil or what the fuck ever. Sure. Um, like, I can buy the idea of Borg Cubes having these things, like, just to, you know, so that they have, like, all the information they've ever collected on hand. Um, yeah, it was, fact, it was, oh, go ahead. The fact that they turn into, like, like people makes less sense, but I buy it more than, you know. No, no, I, I buy that their memory engrams or whatever, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, it's all pseudoscience, but I, 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 I'll give you that they save their brains, like, they, they save a backup copy of their brains mm-hmm. before they overwrite them with Borg stuff. Yeah. Like that's that's kind of how I read it. That's fine. It's the part that it where it broadcasts itself to seven. She can't block it out. And at one point in the story, just for elevated stakes that ended up meaning nothing, mm-hmm. the doctor says, We're going to lose her. Okay, her personality's gone. And then in the next act, oh, her personality's back. So it's not gone then. You had a you had a dramatic commercial break on the idea that she was completely lost, but then oh, never mind. <laughs> I was wrong. She didn't get out of the cock-a-duty car. What we need to do is send Tuvok into her brain, into the nightclub that is her brain. Of course. And scoop him out, or scoop her out. No, no, scoop out all the others. Yes. And leave her in there. Well, they, she had, he had to throw them all off of a tall building. Uh, yeah. I will say, okay, I didn't like the effects that they used, the stupid fisheye lens, mm-hmm. womp, womp, in the... um in the in the Borg cube or whatever but i will give them credit for there were a lot of different aliens in oh, there yeah. there were like 10 or 12 uh, not every single one that i could immediately identify either like you saw the klingon you saw the vulcan you saw a couple others and so yeah that's pretty cool well the nice thing is like ds9 was still filming across the street at the time oh so. yeah they probably just grabbed a couple of their extras yeah, exactly that's i true. mean you're talking about a show where the set was regularly crammed with you know Hundreds of extras wearing weird fucking... I don't know if it was hundreds, but it was definitely a lot. Dozens of extras. Yeah. Six extras. They got Morn. Morn came over. (laughs) That'd be fine. Borg Morn? Yeah. That would be all right. Borg Morn. Yeah. This episode brought to you by the Swedish chef. (laughs) What I don't understand, though, Mm. is... And we've talked about this before. Her Borg cube should not have had Vulcans and humans and, and, you know, Klingons in it. No. On account of they're in the Delta Quadrant, which is way the fuck on the other side of the galaxy, and she should not have run into Earth-style humans or anybody else from the Alpha Quadrant before. Well, I thought that the 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 cubes were conne- like, or not the cubes, the um the hard drives were all like linked together, you know, in the cloud, the Borg cloud. Okay, but that means that there's probably millions of different races, mm-hmm. and she's just tapping into the ones that we recognize. Well, no, that's, that's not great. an interesting. I, 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 in interesting concept, I think she's supposed to be tapping into millions of, of races. Yeah, like, but I she's all only turning in the ones that we've seen before, like Ferengi. Exactly. Because otherwise, we wouldn't recognize them. Like, I don't know. We, the, there's people we haven't seen before. Plus, you know, who wants to bring back the Kazon? Uh, not me, is who? No, definitely not. 
I will say, having read that, uh, uh, the uh, 50-year, what do you call it? Oh, uh, the, you, damn it, the 50-year right mission? Was that what it's called? Yeah, I'm yeah. drawing a blank for some reason. Uh, yeah. 50-year having, mission, having, yes. having read that, um, I will say they hated the Kazon, too. <laughs> they all just locked, <laughs> they, they, they locked themselves into it, and they're like, well, this is we've committed to this. We're going to try to make it good, but it, it never did. <laughs> ah. Proven right yeah. once again. I'm liking you Actually, more and more, Brandon. We saw bits of that in um, in in Memory Alpha, though. Mm-hmm. Is the thing most of the quotes in that book are things that we've seen snippets of in Memory Alpha, just arranged in a, sure. in a different order, is all. But anyway, um, this hard drive we keep talking about. This is my bad thing. Every time they talked about it, they called it the Viniculum. I kept I kept thinking they were saying the Perennium, which is the scientific word for taint. No, no, Al. They were saying the Vinicula, the Dracula rabbit. Of course. The famous yeah. Dracula rabbit from children's fiction. It's it's just one of those things. It's one of those... Um, Dumb things? Yeah, one of those words that they latch onto and keep saying mm-hmm. that sounds made up. It's a Borg phage. Yeah. Which is still not a real word. Phage is a real word. I don't think that's true. And I'm not just saying that because I recently learned that a Spider-Man villain was named Phage. Also, Phineas Phage from... Uh... From Venture Brothers. Also, Strong Badiophage from Strong Bad. Um, but yeah, so it, it, the, the whole concept is dumb, is kind of what I was mm. getting at. But if you look past that, yeah, Jerry Ryan was quite yeah, good. No, the, the concept's dumb, but the episode, I enjoyed the episode enough to not care about that. Or yeah. rather, I enjoyed moments of the episode. I enjoyed her. I didn't, like, I knew she was going to be fine. And well, I, you know, it's another one of those where the stakes don't really matter and everything's going to be fine, whatever. Also, again, I would like to have seen more of an actual relationship between Seven being herself mm-hmm. and and Naomi Wildman. Well, we like, get some of that at the end, which I fucking delighted in. Yeah, where basically she's like, oh, I am embarrassed. Uh, we played a game. Okay, show me how to play this game, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, will, I will help you in your quest to become bridge, uh, Captain's Assistant, a role which does not exist. But if it did, it would be Harry's. The thing is, I feel like Janeway has now gotten wind of of this, Mm -hmm. that someone told her that, and Janeway is cool enough and uh, prone to mom-like behavior enough that she's like, yeah, you know what? Sure. Mm -hmm. If if the kid can prove that she's capable of, I don't know, carrying some pads for me or something, maybe we'll bring her on the bridge one day just to make her feel great. Sure. She would totally do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's already got Harry. Oh, man, I real. I'm the more the more of the sh- of the the wee child man that I see, the more I want to see her pitted against Harry. No, I just want to see her replace Harry. Just bad- one day, she's replaced him in the in the credits. He never shows up again. Nobody even mentions it. It's like it never happened. I actually have a note here that reads: Please, gi- please give Naomi Harry's job, and then imprison Harry in a Kazon outhouse slash moonshine still. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be all right. Mm. I of course the move there is to do the um the uh well, fuck, what's that movie? Deliverance, deliverance. To do the deliverance thing. If you t- if you're sending him to Hillbilly Country. Oh, I would happily send Harry down the river to uh squeal like a pig. Yes. Very well. That sounds good to me. Okay. Um <laughs> Tom's there. The it's a primitive earth instrument called a banjo. <laughs> Maybe you've seen Although, it before in the hands of Banjo Man. Oh yeah, so they have. <laughs> forgot about Banjo Man. We you never forget about Banjo, Banjo Man. Banjo Man. No, you're always thinking. You're ever vigilant when it comes to Banjo. That's Man, true. I think. Um, 
but yeah, I just I didn't care too much about what was going on. I didn't feel like the stakes were there. Mm. I like I did like these aliens, and you, and you mentioned great alien design, really stupid costumes. Oh yeah, they're, they're basically wearing like big transparent pantsuits with like Tron lighting on them. It's not the best look. No, they look like um, they look like tarps that you would wear in a Joel Schumacher movie. Yeah, there you go. Like you're going to see Blue Man Group in Joel Schumacher's Gotham City. <laughs> And you don't want to get covered in paint splatters. Oh, man. Sorry, buddy. You come on down to Joel Schumacher's paint, uh, Gotham City. You're going to get wet. Yeah, probably. And painted. Neon painted. Or or you're going to see Gallagher. Oh, man. In, uh, in, in Joel Schumacher's Gotham City. Yeah, but instead of crushing uh, watermelons, he crushes neon paint cans with a giant hammer. Yeah, that sounds about right. Also, and it's also G- Gallagher 2. <laughs> well, Gallagher 1 was killed by the Joker. Good. <laughs> he knows what he did. Oh my god. Uh, if anyone who writes Batman comics is listening to this, and I know you are, please write how the Joker killed Gallagher in the DC universe. Yeah. I would I would pay to pay to see that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so these aliens, they they look a combination of ridiculous and great. Yes. But I do like their motivation, which is they they created this uh, this tainted viniculum. <laughs> Which no, would they, be an they, infinitely better title for this episode, by the way. Yeah, they they threw it out there, and basically the the reason it's leaking is because of what they did. They basically are driving all the Borg mad mm-hmm. with this thing, and it was they made it on purpose. It's a virus, yeah. And I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. That was that was I like it's not some random thing we found where these particles are interacting with this thing, and oh no, this happened. No, instead it's like no, we made this to kill Borg, and oh, you have a Borg on board. Well, she's gonna die because we made this yeah, to kill Borg. Yeah, that's fucking rough, man. Yeah, I, I like that, and I like once again, Voyager runs into some people who say you have a what on board, yeah. and I like that that keeps coming up. That doesn't feel repetitive to me it feels like it does need to keep happening and i like that i I do too i like any race that's like having these aliens that live in borg space and having like them be affected by borg being around like i like that quite a bit um i would like to see the occasional uh alien race that's like wait you fixed you fixed a borg can you show us how you fixed a borg i think i think it's an easy way to uh, make the humans the special ones mm. by saying we're the only ones who would do that and everyone else doesn't want to do mm. that. Jerks. Like, that, it's it's just a shortcut to show that the humans are the best ones. Yeah, by look at all our compassion we have. We yeah. fixed a Borg and then made her wear this spandex onesie. And she didn't even want to be fixed for, like, a really long time. Yeah, we're pretty much the best people in the universe. Yeah. That's what it see, says in our charter. You can see Janeway, like, uh, you know... <sighs> Uh, wipe, wiping her cuticles on her shirt. Just yeah. Did, pretty great. Uh, let's see. At one point, there was a, uh, a scene where Seven was getting mad at some potatoes. <clears throat> well, who but, doesn't hate a good Neelix potato? I, in, just, in general, mm-hmm. you know, hating all of Neelix's things, but yes. I... Um, I, the, the, the episode starts with her, like... I guess she's in Klingon mode. But the episode uh-huh. starts with her, like stalking through her cargo bay like sniffing the air and i'm like yeah. well of course she would go directly to where neelix lives what, what smells stronger on the entire ship yeah what has a more powerful musk oh than that guy yeah i'm, uh, what was you... <laughs> I'm sorry i i smelt uh ball musk and fingernails and i just assumed it would be you neelix 
yeah, I mean, that's the, you know, I was tracking that scent and, and where else could it come possibly come from? It's true. Uh, what was your bad thing? Um, I'm a little surprised at the doctor's attitude towards mind melds. Like that's a move that's been proved that's worked multiple times in Trek history, including a couple of times on Voyager. Like I could understand if this was take this had been this had taken place in like the original series and it had been like Bones going a friggin' mind weld. What are you crazy? But I mean, like they've been doing this for a while now on pretty much all Star Trek shows except maybe Deep Space Nine. And like you know, this thing works. Yeah, it, that's true. But on the other hand, medically speaking, in terms of what's happening to her, mm-hmm. I could see being concerned because she's all crazy in there. Going in there is going to make you crazy too. It's not going to make her not crazy. That's not what bothers me. What bothers me specifically is him saying, calling it a bunch of Vulcan mumbo jumbo. Well, that's ridiculous. It mumbo very bonesy mumbo. Maybe jumbo. Not (laughs) no, I don't know. Like I, I can kind of see maybe he hasn't studied it medically. As we find out in the next episode, there are some gaps in his, uh, in his knowledge. Shouldn't be going to the opera so much. Like, Doc, you don't need to do that much studying. You literally just download the information into your computer. Like, well, we'll we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, there's that's a that's a major um, that's a major criticism of the next episode. Mm -hmm. But uh, no, I I I I don't know. Maybe he was just programmed by bones. There is a long history of Starfleet doctors saying, "Fuck it, I don't care about Vulcans." (laughs) Fuck it, I don't care about Vulcans. The Leonard McCoy story. First, do no harm. Second, fuck Vulcans. Third, don't talk about how you did no harm. <laughs> no, it's not Fight Club. It might be. It's the Hippocratic Oath. I'm pretty sure the Hippocratic Oath and Fight Club have quite a lot in common, actually. Okay, name three. Uh, They both are things that uh, fucking... Alright, I pass. No, you got nothing. My problem, I I almost made it, and then I blanked on who on I, then I blanked on Brad Pitt's name, and by that really? point, like, yeah. How could you like these Brad Pitt? I'm sitting there like, who played Tyler Durden, and why do I know <laughs> Tyler Durden, but I don't know Brad Pitt's name? That's weird. And why did I just say think Brad Pitt, and I still can't remember Brad Pitt's name? <laughs> it's complicated in my head. Well, at some point, you will think of Brad Pitt's name. When that happens, you tell. Me. I will let you know. Yeah. Um. Anything else? Like, we're coming up a little short, but I mean, really, it was uh, let me see mostly seven, just the... Seven gets mad at potatoes. Um, it was mostly like when Brent Spiner would have an episode where he got to play ten guys. Yeah. Only Jerry Ryan got to do it. I mean, and she did a great she job. Did. I like her Ferengi yeah. quite a bit. It was almost my quote. And she actually, like I said, she didn't know what a Ferengi was, mm-hmm. so she had like two or three days to prep for playing ten different guys, and she loved doing it. But she's like, ah, uh, um, hmm, Klingon, okay. Hmm, never seen a full Klingon, just no Balana. Ah, shit. <laughs> Do you think someone on the cast was just like, it's a stereotypical Jew, just do that? Uh, possibly, I hope not. I hope not, too, but it wouldn't surprise me even a little bit. I, the thing is, you could play it that way, but there there are other ways to play it mm. where it doesn't come off like that. Yeah, well, it's just, you know. I mean, I hated him. But Rom wasn't that. No, he wasn't. He was something else entirely. Something but I mean, like, if I was to sum up the Ferengi in one word, it would be, no. you know, Watto. I, it's like a vaudeville Jew. Uh-huh. 
because it's not it's not any kind of even remotely realistic depiction. Mm-hmm. It's it's that vaudeville broad interpretation yeah. of it, like Mel Brooks. Yeah, exactly, Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks would be a great Ferengi. Mm. <laughs> he actually would. Yeah, he he could be the Grand Nagus. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. Clark. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else? Oh, I missed that. Uh, I like the alien ship design. There's been seeing a lot of that lately. That's been really good. Yeah, a lot uh, of mixing it up. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. This is, uh, we break it down, not a lot happened in this episode. There, a lot of time is spent in uh, Seven's mosh pit uh, brain. Yeah, I don't love that. I like when she's actually performing. I don't like the just the chaos well, of I mean, everyone. We've talked about this know. before. You know, it, it, anytime someone goes into someone else's brain, unless it was Data's brain, it's on the holodeck. It's fucking stupid. I I mean, that's a thing I don't like, but I don't want to speak for you. Like, I've never liked that. I don't like it in most things. There's a couple of well, things that I like. I okay keep going in. back to, um, what was it, the Luxwan episode from TNG where they're walking around in her brain. And oh, it's Dark ba- Page. Yeah, Dark Page. And it's basically fucking, it's the bri- it, like it's the ship for no particular reason. It's just really badly executed. Well, I mean, in, in fairness, Seven's memories are all inside a Borg cube. Mm-hmm. No, you're right about that. Which is what it would be. Mm-hmm. That's all she ever saw. Yep. It's not like they went on away missions or whatever. I was thinking about this. Do you think, like, Picard is in there somewhere? If they've assimilated, if it's everyone they've ever assimilated, theoretically, Picard would be in there, and also, like, original Seven, like, little girl Seven. Little maybe, girl Seven. Maybe, but I feel also like if they got rid of, uh, like, when Picard left, mm. that's like a bad breakup, and they just pretended he never existed. Yeah. They just burned all his love letters and just, mm-hmm. like, ditched his brain. Also, I kept waiting to see Waldo in there somewhere. He might have been. You might have just missed him. Mm. You have to watch it again. It's I, true. I that guy's hard to spot, I've found. That's, that's one thing he's known for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that and hating Vulcans. <laughs> he just hates right. them so much. You got a quote? Uh, yes. Um, I actually really like uh, how scared Seven gets about all this. Like, she's usually very, you know, Seven. Together, yeah. And then it's just like, I just, you know, then this. You'll get through this, Seven. I do not share your optimism. When you took me from the Borg and began to turn me into an individual, I found the silence of my own mind difficult to bear. I missed the voices of the Collective. But now that I am an individual, those same voices frighten me. Captain, I don't know if I can tolerate this condition much longer. My courage is insufficient. Your job is to keep trying. Yeah, no, and it was good after, like, I think we've seen her freak out once before when they talked about making friends with species. Mm. No, it's, so, you know, you know she, she's, she's the Borg. She's not scared of a lot of things, but when she is, like, it's very telling. Yeah. It is, and it's kind of like when Spock would laugh. It's mm-hmm. unsettling. Like, oh, why is that happening? Stop or that. When You're o- freaking me out, man. When Odo would smile. Oh, God, then you knew you were in trouble. Yep, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Quark. <laughs> What's that noise you're making with your throat? Stop it. Stop it right now. Just people saying Quark. That's Quark. what this episode is brought to you by. Quark. Quark. All right. Want to press forward yeah, now? Yeah, all right. Why don't you tell us about Nothing Human? Okay, first off, let's talk about that title. Doesn't really mean anything on its own or as part of the episode. Also, it just reminds me of the time actual American Vice President 
uh, Dan Quayle said, and I quote, well, nobody's human. That guy wasn't a very good public speaker. Also, his arch nemesis was Murphy Brown. Anyway, so Voyager discovers a ship containing nothing human. Or to put it in a non-awkward way that someone would actually say on this show, a non-humanoid life form. I wonder if it'll be our fr- Oh, never mind. It's attached itself to Bellana's face, spinal column, and probably her soul. Because people probably have souls on this show. The Doctor is concerned with this development, realizing that he's only loaded with medical knowledge of actual humanoid races. Which seems like a huge oversight until you remember that this tradition stretches back at least as far as the days of Dr. Leonard McCoy, who actively refused to learn anything about the biology or basic medical needs for one of the founding races of the Federation, one of whom rarely leaves his immediate vicinity. Besides, how often do we meet sentient guys who don't basically look like us? Maybe once or twice per entire series? But the Doctor wa- does want to help Bolana, and since Voyager never met a problem it couldn't solve with a holodeck, despite the fact that many of those same problems were caused by the holodeck in the first place, he sanctions the creation of a hollow assistant. He's based on the foremost expert in xenobiology in the Alpha Quadrant and just happens to be a Cardassian. But hey, let's not be hasty! Not all Cardassians are bloodthirsty genocidal monsters. This one, for instance, was very detached about his genocide and truly believed it to be in the best interests of the Bajoran people. And when was the last time you heard a Cardassian say something like that, huh? So yeah, it turns out the foremost expert in xenobiology is Cardassian Dr. Mangala, which a few people have a problem with for some reason. So now the question becomes, do we use the research of an unethical person to save a life? Then Kate answers the question. Yes, she says. Yes, we do use that research to save a life, because this is Starfleet, goddammit, and the ends justify the means. Bell's pretty upset with the captain over this, which would be a real problem for their relationship if anyone remembered their feelings or opinions toward anyone from week to week. That's a spirit. <clears throat> yeah. It's like this would be an interesting, um, uh, you know, obstacle in their relationship if they didn't just hit the big damn reset button for next mm-hmm. week. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, exactly. I was actually very disappointed that this Cardassian guy did turn out to be, you know, a fucking monster. Again. Yeah, because first of all, he was super likable. Yeah, he was. I, I fucking that guy was great. Like I really, yeah, that really that guest star. I looked up his filmography, and he's been in a ton of stuff, but not in a lot of stuff I've seen. Okay. So like, he's kind of new to me. He was you one of you the, may have seen him. He was one of those guys that I recognized instantly and just couldn't place. So I'm he's, sure I've seen him in something. He had a very younger Christopher Lloyd vibe. Like he's not he's not old and craggly like Christopher Lloyd, but he's got that wild eyed enthusiasm sure. like Christopher Lloyd has. <laughs> like young Christopher Lloyd on Taxi when he still looked eighty. Yeah, exactly. And uh but it is very very similar. He's he's sort of lanky mm-hmm. and wild-eyed and he's got this weird like body language is just sort yeah, of like he he's going to he dart at any moment kind of thing. A very unique Cardassian. Um but he still f- totally felt like a Cardassian. Oh yeah, totally. Like I never like, you know. Well, sometimes they cast against type and it doesn't work. But this, but this, this... It, it like for being against type like it really nailed. I think the voice also had something to do with it. Yeah, he had a no, very non sinister a... voice, which most Cardassians, even if they're good guys, have. It actually reminded me of an Tain, who also had a like a very sort of pleasant voice, despite the fact that he was an awful, awful man. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Um, no, and I was hoping because we've seen characters like this before, where if you're in a discipline that isn't directly related to politics or the military, like science or medicine. Mm-hmm. These guys sometimes put aside their their philosophical differences. Like, yeah, I'm a Cardassian, you're human, whatever. It doesn't like, matter. It doesn't. We're both here to help people. So let's like, who cares about what our governments disagree on? And I th- I was hoping it would be that. Yeah, but then of course it just turns out to be he's yet another fucking Nazi. No, nah, and he kept justifying all the wacky experiments mm-hmm. he did. 
and I say wacky, it was horrible, horrible, <clears throat> you know, atrocities. But, uh, you know, it's on Star oh, Trek. Oh, those so wacky okay. atrocities. Yeah. No, I mean, it was straight up a Mengele thing. And they yeah, weren't even we, trying we to, both know you know, that, actually. Yeah. And they said it, like, the quotes of Memory Alpha say, yeah, we were going for a Mengele vibe. Of course you were. You don't say. Yeah. This guy, like, uh, uh, experimented on Bajorans and did horrible things to them to find a cure for something. So mm-hmm. he killed a bunch of them to save some of them. Yeah. So He did hooray. cure them, though. So, I mean, yeah, that's kind and, of the thing the doctor go, keeps going back to. Yeah, but he cured them. Yeah, I mean, he killed some, but he just, he used people as his lab rats, mm-hmm. which is horrible. But I don't know. Like, and yeah, you're right. I wish he hadn't been. I would have liked the story better of the Bajoran Maquis guy and Balata being totally dead set against this guy yeah. and him being okay yeah that's the thing you know i like that and i mean you know it's something we addressed on deep space nine all the time but it's not something we'd seen on voyager because it actually goes back to the episode it. where Worf uh, was supposed to give blood to that dying romulan and wouldn't do it oh yeah that was a good one too like balana was straight up ready before they even knew yeah was straight up just he's a cardassian i don't want anything to do with him mm. i'll just die yeah and it reminded me a bit of that but no i i liked the guy quite a bit yep and I liked uh, I, I liked what was going on. Again, we knew Bellano wasn't going to die, mm-hmm. but I was still interested. Like, okay, we, we, we mentioned this a minute ago. Yeah, why didn't the doctor just load up this information? Why did he have to make another guy? Because yeah, it's Who always going to be a fucking thing, you know? Like, well, well, I mean, I could download the information directly into my brain, but I kind of want someone to talk to. How about that? And I get that it's dramatically more interesting. I understand sure. that. It's, it's obviously more interesting to watch the doctor interact with a new person. Mm-hmm. Than it is to watch him stand there by himself and say, oh, now I know new things. Well, yeah, I that's do, boring. I will admit him and the, the doctor and this new Cardassian guy did have really good chemistry. Like, I liked they did. seeing and them play it was, off one another. Yeah, a good chunk of this was a two-hander between the two of them, which I really liked. Because particularly for the first part of it, they seemed to really like each other. Mm-hmm. Well, that and was, it was nice for the doctor to have an equal. That was kind of my good thing. I like the doctor's new friend. Yeah. No, he had an equal. He no. had someone who was uh, equally good at, at medicine, specifically better at, yeah. at xenobiology, at non-humanoid stuff. And he had someone he could relate to mm. instead of someone he had to talk down to. You know, it was nice. It's like, have you met these idiots? You don't know about yeah. it, though. You're a, hol- you're a cool hologram like me. Right. Later on, we'll go to a hologram bar and have a holographic good time. I had a holographic family once. <laughs> they're all They're holographically dead now. Yeah. No, they're actually dead. Well, my daughter is is dead. The rest of the family was abandoned by me. Um, no, I brought a real knife into the holodeck and I stabbed them. I was I was right to do it. <laughs> no, okay, but okay. First of all, it, I wish like like yeah, it was interesting to watch, but yeah, it doesn't really make sense. Second of all, this is my bad thing. Mm-hmm. At one point. The Cardassian dude expresses his distaste with sickbay's primitive instruments, so they recreate his superior lab on the holodeck. Which, what? I'm not super clear how the holodeck can simulate superior technology that the Federation doesn't actually have. Otherwise, couldn't the Doctor just replicate his stuff to use in his sickbay? Like, okay, Federation sickbays aren't good enough, so we're going to holographically simulate something that is superior to what we actually have. That doesn't make sense. Mm, yeah... Um, like if you, if your computer is only an eight out of 10, you can't make your computer simulate a nine out of 10. Computer you know what I mean? A good computer. Yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't work. Al, I'm going to put my Brian hat on here for a minute and say, are you saying something about the holodeck doesn't make sense? Yeah, I, I know. I know. 
I'm pretty sure Brian's hat is like a three-cornered hat or something. Oh, like oh that. definitely. One of those old-timey mm-hmm. like hats. Um, but yeah, I know, I know it doesn't make sense, but it's still stupid. No. I completely agree. I'm gonna call it out because that's what we do. Yeah. No, and the so. other like they rep like the other thing is he's a holographic representation of like this genocidal fucking monster scientist guy. But he's not because he wasn't programmed to be that. Like, what? I think I think it's like they the program was made before they knew that mm-hmm. or maybe before he did that. So it's like the save game was before that quick time event happened. The whole happened. thing is fucking weird. Yeah, I don't Just know. Just like, ah. I liked it, though. I actually genuinely liked mm. the episode. I liked... Uh, my good thing was the non-humanoid alien. Yeah. I mean, okay, it it looked like you took one of those Mars attacks guys and deflated him. <laughs> Sounded like but, it too. <laughs> but I've said this over and over again. I'm willing to forgive a little bit of a lot of goofiness actually if they just try to do something different. Mm-hmm. And they did. I liked it. I I thought it was cool looking. Yep. Um. And this a, is actually your bad thing. It's right? also a six foot long tapeworm, which is literally a nightmare I've had. But that's. I mean, okay. Once again, I think we have to distinguish between bad thing as a badly conceived episode and bad thing as in, no, this very effectively made me feel bad the way it was supposed to. Oh, yes. Okay. No, as far as horrible giant tapeworms go, this is one of the finest I've seen since Dune. Uh, But it also made me want to vomit everywhere. That's fair. Um, But, you know, that's the thing. Space is supposed to be weird, and I wish aliens made us feel squicked out a little more mm. often. No, good work, Star Trek. Good work. Uh, I will yeah. say this, though. I did have one real problem with it, which is the horrible screeching noise that it made uh, every time it popped on to their, uh, the comm system. Um, See, I like that they couldn't communicate with it. And, uh, okay, you were watching it with headphones on, so it was a yes, little more pronounced to you. I was, and I would like Star Trek Voyager to pay for my uh, eardrums to be reconstructed, please. <laughs> I, I, think, uh, I think that ship may have sailed. Damn it. I think that office is no longer there. I think they're shooting Everybody Loves Raymond there now or something. No, no one's shooting Everybody Loves Raymond anymore, thank God. Oh, okay. I don't know. That was my that was my go-to contemporary show reference, so that tells you something. Mm. Um This is a little off topic, but I hate Everybody Loves Raymond. Okay. So, yeah. I am the one person who disputes that title. That's fair. No, I I I don't care for it myself. So, there you go. It's pretty bad. Yeah, it's pretty pretty bad. Anyway, no, I I liked the aliens. I liked I I liked that we had some non-humanoid guys that we couldn't communicate mm-hmm. with like at all. The universal translator was just useless yep. and they're just like, "Uh, I hope you're saying we're not going to shoot you because you saved our guy, but I can't tell what you're yep. saying." Um, I'm also going to throw out that uh clearly the writer of this episode, I think Jerry Ryan. This was la- no, Jerry Taylor. Yeah, this is Jerry Taylor's last episode. Really? Huh. Yeah. She um she stepped down as showrunner this season, mm. handed it off to uh, Brandon Braga actually, and the plan, according to Memory Alpha, was that she was going to continue to contribute scripts, uh-huh. just like not as the showrunner, just as a staff writer. Mm-hmm. But it never worked out that way. This was the only one she did. Oh wow! So this is her send off. It wasn't meant to be her send off. It just was. Mm. Well, she clearly saw Alien because. Uh... Oh yeah, there's definitely some alien there. <laughs> it's it's funny. There's a lot of quotes from uh, Roxanne Biggs Dawson about um, <laughs> how nothing she had to do in this episode. Like she really liked the conflict in it. She really liked the the Doctor Cardassian sure. stuff. But she 
like she said, I literally had to get this thing attached to me and then lie there and have a thing attached to me <laughs> and then scowl at the captain. And that was it. <laughs> Roxanne Higgs Boson, you're a fuck of a good actress. I just she was like I was she was she was also apparently sad because her dog had died that week. Oh, I'm sorry. but she's she's like, so I was hoping to really get my teeth into something and, and get my mind off things. And instead, I get this. to sit there and feel sad with a with a big rubber thing and try not to laugh because from my angle, it looked really stupid. Uh, from my angle, it looked pretty stupid, too. Honestly, Yeah, like I said, I was willing to forgive that. It did look a little goofy, but, you know, it was mostly the color. It was mostly yeah. the big, the bright colors. They shouldn't have made it like bright green. It looks like a Pokemon. Yeah, a little bit. Um, by the way, if Roxanne Higgs Boson is listening to this, I'm sorry about your dog. I mean, this was, you know, 20 years ago at this point. Uh, I'm sorry about any dogs you've had since then, too, though. <laughs> You're just trying to be nice to, to Roxanne Biggs Dawson. Yes, because I like her. Okay, that's fair. For I a do number too. of reasons. Yeah. Um, I also like dogs. See. Yeah, who doesn't like dogs? Exactly. I, I mean, I guess some people do, but I'm not interested in what they have to think. So. Write in if you don't like dogs. Specifically, no. write into a different podcast. Yeah. That look, the one thing I have to latch on to with Enterprise, I don't know anything else about that show that I'm going to like, mm-hmm. but I like the dog. Yep, there's a great dog. Yeah, cute little beagle. Mm-hmm. So looking forward to that and nothing else right now. Yep. That may change. I'm, I'm, I'm already gearing up to, to keep an open mind about Enterprise. Yep. Like, I'm already wiping my preconceptions clean and trying to go in fresh, but, uh, you know, all I know about is that, that dog. All I know is that that dog went back in time and was uh, what the bar from Three's Company was named after. He's not a very regal beagle, though, is mm. the thing. He's about as regal as you could get in that area. There were not very many regal beagles in that area. In San Diego in, San Diego the, 80s? in the 1980s? Like, no. I guess the late 70s. No. I, <laughs> next time you're in the 1970s San Diego, uh, look around. I think you'll find very few regal beagles to admire. Well, no, no, Matt. This is America. We don't have regal anything. We don't have kings. That was the whole point of America. Right, but you can have things that look regal. I guess. And they don't have to actually be. Like, that's the closest you're going to get in America, especially in San Diego. Well, okay. It's, you know, I guess that's true. That's right. <laughs> uh, there were actually a couple of good Harold and Chuck moments at the beginning. Mm-hmm. There was. There was shock. I was shocked by how much I enjoyed those two idiots talking to each other like idiots. Yeah, and I don't like either of them. No, there was this great and, and, you know, smash cut open to the doctor going on and on about something boring and everyone wants to get away. <laughs> and that's a joke they've done on on Next Gen before. Mm-hmm. They probably did it in DS9. Like, it's an easy, oh, God, we all have to do this boring thing. I believe but- uh, uh, Rimmer decided once to show everyone his his slides of his trip to the lower decks. Yeah, it's it you know, it's a it's a thing most of us can relate to who have worked at a place where you're forced to watch a boring thing or have family members who have access to slides. Also that. <sighs> and Patty and Anselma show up with the with their slides from their trip to Sulphur Bay. <laughs> but no, there was a cute moment where um uh Harold and Chuck were like I I thought we were going to get out of that. Well, you're not. Yeah. Who we sat through two fucking hours of this shit. Yeah, I love. It was, um, it was pretty good. Them walking out of the slide of uh, the slideshow and everyone's fucking pissed off. Um, and uh, oh god, one of them is a little like I thought they were supposed we were supposed to get a yellow alert at like uh at, like at a half hour in. 
Oh yeah, that was Chuck just like not doing it. Yeah, and uh, and Tuvok goes, that was definitely a ignoring a direct order. And Jamie goes, yep, definitely court martialable. <laughs> I'm yeah. like I love the like I love these guys as a family. They're so different than other Trek crews. You know? I'd see I don't I don't know about that. This whole scene I I know I've seen play out in Next Gen before, and that's okay. I like it. But you've definitely never seen that played out with the captain in Next Gen. Uh no, I did. There was at least one or two scenes where I I mean there was the one where he kept talking in one oh, incredibly yeah. unbroken sentence. You know. Was it the uh Captain permission to not go to the boring speech? Of course, Mr. Worf. Uh Captain permission to No, Mr. LaForge, you're going to the boring speech. Mr. Worf got there first. Yeah, there's that one. Is that the same one it as might... um uh Die Hard on a Ship? Uh it might be. It's his saddle. Yeah, I forgot they're down my on precious the precious saddle. Right, that's how he got out of it. Yeah, and everyone. No, no, no. That was a whole different thing because that wasn't a speech. That was just like a cocktail party yeah, where this guy uh, kept going and talking to them. Yeah, I don't and know. It's so, been yeah, a couple that, of years since we watched Next Gen. Right, but what I'm saying is it happened a couple of times, mm. not a lot. And again, it's not a cliche and it's not an overdone thing. No. I still think it's cute. It's it's a universally relatable thing when you're in a workplace and one coworker is boring and you all are kind of in it together. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's fine. I don't mind it coming up a couple of times, but what I'm saying is I didn't think it was unique to Voyager. Mm. I liked it, but I didn't think it was unique to these guys. Fair enough. I like, I never would have thought when we were going to this, into this, that I like Janeway as mom, but I kind of really do. No, I do because there's, there's two ways she could be mom. There's the irritating, we don't know how to write women, so let's just make her a mom. AKA Bever. Right. Exactly. I was trying to think of a good example and you totally fucking nailed it. My baby. And then there's. Just the female counterpart to Cisco being everyone's dad. Yeah, exactly. Cisco was not just Jake's dad. He very much had a paternal vibe on that show. No, you're and, right. You're right. And Janeway has that here, only it's different because it's a mom and she plays it differently mm-hmm. because she's a woman. And I, I like it. Mm-hmm. It's it works because she's she's in charge and she's nurturing, but she's not helpless and flailing. Yeah. So, yeah, I like it. Captain Tom says I need to borrow a shuttle. Oh, really? (laughs) Well, I'm being F. (laughs) I also, I really like, speaking of Janeway, I like where we reach the point in this episode where it's like, okay, are we going to go with this uh, genocidal maniac's uh, research to save Bellana's life or not? And she's like, you know what? I know what the right thing to do is, but fuck it. Mm -hmm. I don't want Bellana dead. Yeah. I kind of respect that. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. Yep. Uh, um, what else? I don't know. We definitely reach a point at the end where the ends justify the means. Yeah. No, it, like, it's good seeing her just or, take control like that. It's like, okay, you know what? We're going to do this now. Uh, we'll talk about later on if the horrible genocidal monster man is a horrible genocidal monster man or if we want to keep him around or whatever. But right now we're doing this because I like Bolana and I don't want her to miss any more meetings because if I do, Harry's going to get the seat next to me and it's going to be really upsetting. Yeah. Harry, I see you inching closer to me. Stop it. (laughs) You are not a special boy. I heard there was a song written about it. Yeah, there sure was. And now there's artwork to go with that song, by the way. That's great artwork. Yeah, it was. Oh, man. Do you want to delight me at work? Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, go to postalstomachhorror.tumblr.com to check out uh, a, f- a friend of Richard who made that song, mm-hmm. uh, made cover art for uh, for that song, mm-hmm. and it, it is delightful. Yes. Uh, uh, anything else? Anything else? I don't know. I think we basically covered it. Yeah, everything. pretty much. Do you have a quote for this one? 
I do. It is, uh, <laughs> it is Seven calling people out for their hypocritical bullshit. It is curious. Borg are accused of assimilating information with no regard for life. Miss Cardassian did the same. And yet his behavior was tolerated. Which I kind of liked. Excellent work. Yeah. All right. So that's all for this time. Time. Are we still doing time? Time. Punity pun. I'm sure we'll have another time. Well, again, I'll put my Brian hat on for some horrible time puns. (laughs) Time travelers. Uh, Next week, I do not know what the episodes are, but I do know that our pal Gav will be joining us. Excellent. Irish Gav. Haven't spoken to him in a while, so that'll be good. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, we are still pretty far from supplemental time, but if you do want to write to us, the email address is postatomichorror at gmail. Yep. Website is postatomichorror.com, so on and so forth. Excellent. And we will be back next time. Yep. Uh, see you, folks. The Postatomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2016. Please don't sue us, we're just doing this.